Welcome back to the Hazmat Chat Podcast. I'm Wendy Buckley, and thanks for being here. Today, we're going to be talking about railroad tank car operations, specifically aimed at shippers. But don't misunderstand, this message is definitely a more universal one. We want to help you understand your responsibilities and be able to at least do that much. That's the most important thing you have to do as a hazardous materials shipper, transporter, anyone in the hazmat industry. If you want to go beyond that and do extra things, that's great but at least master the basics first, and then be sure your team is properly trained to do those additional tasks. So the universal message, again, is to know what your main, your main basic responsibilities are. So why are we focusing on rail for this discussion? Well, for a few reasons. Some of you may know that I am a former hazardous materials inspector for the Federal Railroad Administration, which is part of the Department of Transportation. So my expertise is in rail and tank cars and uh, bulk packaging. Another reason for this is because rail is not something that's well understood in the industry. There aren't that many people that do it, and there's a lot more uh, that, that don't do it well. The impact to the public is also potentially huge. So not only are these tank cars carrying huge volumes of material, sometimes 30,000 gallons, but there's also a lot of very dangerous materials that are transported on rail. Rail is the safest way to transport those large volumes of material though. So we definitely want to make sure that it stays off the highways and in those rail cars. So in order to do that, we need to make sure we're doing it right. So for a chemical shipper, that's the person that, or the company that sends out the hazardous materials and puts it into transportation, Loading and unloading is their number one job. Keeping the stuff, the hazardous materials, inside the package, package being the tank car, is the most important responsibility that they have. Without that, none of the other things that they're expected to do can happen. Um, any sort of leak, any sort of spill, puts not only their own employees at risk, their company reputation, um, their wallet, but also, more importantly, the public and the environment. So we definitely want to avoid leaks in transportation, spills, or any sort of um, breach of that package. So we need to start always, start with solid, compliant, and safe procedures. Procedures and checklists may include many things not strictly shipper responsibility in my experience. So one of the main things that I did as an FRA inspector as, and as a uh, consultant now with STARS, as you can see behind me, um, we do a lot of audits of all sorts of different facilities in different facets of the industry. Everything from oil and gas, paints and coatings, paper, pulping, you name it, we, we see it all. And inevitably, one thing that we see time and time again is that the checklists and procedures that companies use don't focus enough on the things that they're supposed to be doing by regulation and according to industry best practice, but focus on a lot of other things that they're not necessarily supposed to be doing that are not their responsibility. Let me give you some examples. <clears throat> on a railroad tank car, the shipper's primary responsibilities are the tank, the markings, placards, all the valves, fittings, and closures, meaning all those things that keep that material inside the rail car. Um, that is what they're responsible for, but for some reason, there's a lot of almost every company I've looked at, their checklists include things like looking at brakes and wheels and the trucks, which are part of the apparatus that hold the wheels. So these things are actually strictly responsibility of the railroad. Um, 
that's not to say that if you see a, you know, a truck that has a half a wheel on it, you shouldn't let somebody know. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying that that's not what the shippers are trained to do. It's not what their responsibility is. It's not what they should be focusing on. So here's an example. One of the checklists we had one time uh, under STARS, um, our client had a checklist that said that their employees or loaders were supposed to verify that the brakes were uh, functional, operational, and effective. So one of my inspectors asked the gentleman who we were interviewing at the loading rack, what is an effective brake? And he didn't know. So for this particular type of brake, my inspector explained to the man that piston travel should be seven to nine inches. Great. Anyone can kind of imagine what seven to nine inches looks like, so that's not complicated. But then they went to the next rail car, which was a completely different style of car with a completely different style of brakes. And he asked the same question, does this have an effective brake? And this gentleman could not even find the brake cylinder. That's not a criticism of that person, that loader, because that's not what he's supposed to be doing. He's not trained to be a carman. He's not trained to be a car inspector. He's trained to be a loader. Um, so what we want him to do is to focus on the things that he is supposed to be doing. Like I mentioned, valves, fittings, closures, not brakes, wheels, and trucks. One other thing that you're not supposed to be focusing on as a shipper is handholds, ladders, and sill steps. But let me just make one qualification there. Most companies nowadays use loading racks. They're not actually using, and we're talking shippers here, of course. They're not actually putting their hands and feet on those ladders. They're not, they're not using them. They're, they're climbing up their safe racks or whatever brand they're using. And they are not required to check those ladders and sill steps and handholds, except for if they're gonna be putting their hands and feet on them. Now, oftentimes when I'm looking at rail cars, when my staff is looking at rail cars, we are actually climbing those ladders. So we always check them to make sure they're stable and secure before we climb them because falling 16 feet is not going to feel good onto a bunch of rocks. So if you're going to be touching them, you definitely want to check and make sure they're solid before you use them. Otherwise, you can just ignore them. The next subject we want to talk about is making sure that you have thorough training. Do you have the expertise needed to perform the tasks required? So Throughout my career as both an FRA inspector and as a consultant, we have interviewed, I would guess, hundreds of loaders uh, and unloaders throughout our careers. And they tell us, sometimes confidentially, that they personally feel they are not properly trained to perform their jobs. A lot of times they're telling us that when they have those checklists in front of them and they're performing the tasks, they just check the box because they were told to. They don't really know what it means or really what they're supposed to be looking at or whether the condition they're supposed to be looking at is in fact compliant or not. And to me, that's very alarming. The whole purpose of checklists is to make sure that you have some accountability. If you know John Smith is the one that loaded that rail car and that rail car leaks in transportation, I as a company am trying to be able to go back to John Smith and say, hey, you know, we've, we have this rail car leak in transportation. This is what went wrong. Here's what we need to do to prevent it from happening again. Um, but if John Smith doesn't even know what his job entails, and you'd be surprised how often that happens, then there's no, that accountability chain is breaking down. There's, he's just checking a box and doing a paperwork exercise. If you're gonna use a checklist to make sure your procedures are being followed, first make sure you have a good compliant procedure that will keep them safe. Then make sure your checklist is valuable and not just an exercise in handwriting. So some suggestions for that are make sure that you are not just checking a box and or drawing a line down the entire yes, no column. That happens a lot too. Um, 
even the initials that they did it isn't necessarily going to get you what you want because they're just going initial, 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 initial. They're not actually reading that list. An alternative would be to make it a positive response that requires an active answer, a real engagement with the form, that they have to read it in order to fill it out properly. Um, so for example, let me give you uh, two here. So instead of saying, verify all periodic inspections are current, which would mean that you check that little grid on the side of the rail car and make sure all those dates are, are, are within date. How about this instead? Record the periodic inspection due date for all items listed. So that means I not only have to look at the grid and record the date that each one was done, but I, have, I actually have to engage with that. I can't just say, yes, I looked at it and it's good. And I maybe never even looked at it. I actually am forced to look at that and read it and understand it. Here's one more example. Instead of tighten all manway bolts, for example, how about tighten all bolts in a star pattern, chalk the threads, apply a quarter inch cable seal through the hole on one safety bolt, and then record the seal number. It's given a very specific instruction, step-by-step -step procedures. Here's what I want you to do to be compliant. And the purpose of chalking the threads would be to see if the, if the bolts has come loose, you'll know that. If here's where I tightened it, and now there's a leak in transportation, but my chalk lines don't match up between the threads and the bolt, uh, or the nut rather, I mean, then I'll know that that somehow loosened in transportation, which would tell me that I have a defective bolt or potentially tampering. By recording the seal number, I can't just initial the box and move on. I have to look at the seal, I have to apply the seal, I have to make sure it's all done, and then be able to write down that number. The only problem with that is that a lot of times they'll record the seal numbers ahead of time, which unfortunately that's gonna be a, a procedure problem that you have to deal with, but that is one way to, to account that. And the point is you're trying to get that active engagement with the checklist to make sure they're looking at it, they're reading it, they're understanding it, they're not just check, 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 initial, initial, initial. Another problem that we commonly have in the rail industry is improper or broken equipment. So for example, one of the things that rail car shippers really need to know is which connections should never have a tool put on them. We call those hand tight connections. Those are gonna be very sensitive pieces of equipment that don't provide any access to the material inside the car, but would, would if a tool is put on them could break and provide access, provide the opportunity for that car to leak. An example of this would be a thermal well. So there's a tube in there that has ethylene glycol typically, which is an antifreeze. If you put a tool on that and you break that tube, that ethylene glycol can now get into the material, potentially contaminating it, depending on what's in there. And then also the material can get out causing a leak in transportation. So you have to know which connections are not supposed to have a tool put on them and which are. When you look at the ones that are supposed to have a tool, you need to make sure that you're using the right tools. Tank cars, like all other packages, drums, boxes, everything, uh, tank trucks, they all have manufacturer's requirements for closing them properly. In the case of a rail car, that's a torque specification typically, meaning how much tension, how much pressure do I need to put on that bolt to make sure, or that closure, to make sure that it is closed properly, not over-tightened and not under-tightened. Over-tightening a bolt or a closure can be just as damaging to it as under-tightening. So knowing the torque specifications is important. It's also important to know that one of the things that can affect that is, as particularly on a manway, is the rigidity or the density of your um, gasket. If you have a soft gasket, you're gonna require less torque than if you have a hard gasket. 
Another example is for the bottom outlet valves, which is a big, huge cap like this, about four inches in diameter. We have several clients who we've discovered not using the proper pipe wrench. It really does matter because a 36 inch pipe wrench will perfectly fit that four inch cap and be able to allow you to tighten it properly. Whereas anything smaller is not gonna fit properly and give you the torque that you need to close it. Or even in some cases to open it if it gets a little bit stuck. One of the concerns, one of the reasons for that particular problem is that everyone complains that the large pipe wrenches are very heavy. There's an easy solution to that. The aluminum ones are a whole lot lighter. Um, so by using the proper equipment and by making sure that you're using equipment that's appropriate for what you're doing, you're gonna get properly closed package, you're gonna keep the stuff inside the package and you're gonna be safe in transportation. We're gonna talk about another example in a few minutes about impact wrenches. So keep that one in mind for just a moment. If you are gonna to commit to these extra inspection requirements that are actually rail responsibility, such as wheels, brakes, other safety planks and safety standards, you must first ensure that you're consistently and properly performing all the tasks required to do. We talked about some of those, but then you have to ensure that your staff is properly trained to perform those additional tasks. Because in reality, you're assuming an awful lot of li liability that would not normally be yours to assume. By saying that you're inspecting the brakes and the wheels and all of these other things, ladders and handholds, you're saying, okay, those things meet the regulations when in reality, your team is most likely not trained to know that. Depending on the railroad, most car inspectors get eight weeks of in-person training and then many months, potentially up to a year in some cases of on-the-job training just to start. That doesn't include any ongoing education, any recurrent training, anything like that. There is no shipper that I have personally seen in my almost 25 year career that is um, pro pro providing anywhere close to that amount of training. If anything, they get one class and a little bit of hands-on training, but they're not getting that level of details. So therefore, um, if you are going to be performing the tasks of a carman, make sure you're providing the adequate comparable training. There's another issue to consider here too. In a couple of cases with our clients, we've run into the situation where their union rules won't let them perform those additional tasks. Um, so even though they're checking them off that they're doing them, their union rules prevent it. So therefore the people aren't actually doing it, they're just checking the box. That's a bad idea for so many reasons. So pro tip here, make sure your union rules allow you to take on those additional rules. And additionally, make sure that your union rules allow them to do the job they're actually supposed to be doing. This came up recently too. One of our clients, um, they have their union rules preventing the loaders from actually performing any sort of pre-trip inspection at all. So they're just loading the liquid, that's it. They don't check valves, they don't check gaskets, they don't check safety chains, none of those things that you're required to look at. So they're sending out every single hazardous materials package in bulk volumes with no quality assurance whatsoever. Don't think I need to tell you what a bad idea that one is. So make sure your union rules are compatible with the job these guys are expected to perform. That's all we have time for today, but we're gonna continue this discussion in a part two uh, coming very soon. Thank you so much for joining me today and I look forward to seeing you again soon.